Hello, everybody. Uh, in a couple seconds, you're going to hear an episode on the movie and book Jaws with Vanessa, my wonderful co-host over at the VD Clinic, and our special guest, Lance, from The Horror Returns. This was originally going to just be a VD Clinic episode, but the more we got into it, the more we realized that it was going to have to borrow a little bit more of the flavor from over here at Psychosemantic, especially looking at things like uh, shifty politicians, keeping things open for the sake of the almighty dollar and whatnot. So we decided to make this a collaborative episode. Uh, so for those of you who listen to this show, but not the VD Clinic pod, this is a pretty good example of uh, the kind of shenanigans we get into over there, leaning a little bit more into the usual type of stuff we talk about over here. Coming up uh, the next episode after this, oh, I better not say because that's the best way to get it canceled. Another thing, maybe, for those of you who listen to Cinema PsyOps, Matt PsyOp was gonna be on here, but uh, he has gone silent so those of you who know him and know the good nature in which i say this bother the shit out of him and have him write me back and get on the calendar we're gonna we've got some other stuff uh set to record and without further blathering from yours truly here we go with jaws Welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic Podcast. We are smack dab in the middle of summer. So here we are with a hidden gem that uh, (laughs) is, I hear it's doing well at the box office this weekend, but (laughs) you heard it here first, everybody. There's a movie called Jaws. Uh, It came out in 1975, or it was made in 1975. I don't know why. It took until now for it to hit theaters, but I have I had a good feeling on this, so it became our pick for the month. Uh, we are doing uh, everybody's, well, mostly everybody's a favorite uh, summer shark movie, Jaws from 1975, based off Peter Benchley's 1974 novel of the same name. I am Darren. You'll hear Vanessa in a second, and we have a special guest who she will introduce. Yes, our special guest joining us from a warmer state than mine, but mine's pretty 
hot right now. It's Lance from The Horror Returns. Hello, Lance. Hey, How you doing? Thank, I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite, guys. Well, you know, I have to make sure that you're keeping on that reading challenge. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, you're holding me accountable because I I slipped a little bit. Um, kind of fell behind on my 24 books. But uh, once I've read this one and I've got another one I'm about to wrap up and then I'm back on track and uh, I'll hit that challenge. But uh, the wife and I were dealing with another challenge over the last two weeks, as you guys well know, as we... Uh, succumbed to the it's real it's really out there COVID-19 truly exists and we can attest to that yeah well we did I mean awful that you had to deal with that wonderful that you are on the mend but uh yeah we were gonna bring that up of course we couldn't help but bring it up while we uh talk about this book and movie um I mean, the memes have been out there. <laughs> it was screaming oh, for yeah. it was screaming for the discussion. So you know, listeners, don't blame us. <laughs> it's been there already. But um, yes, if you have any insight on the situation that you want to share, that will uh, that would be great. So, but anyway, um, any anything else you want to say before we jump into the discussion? Uh, you know, just in general, dealing dealing with that particular topic, just something I want all the listeners to to know about, and definitely on our podcast, we're, you know, I'm sharing sharing the story as well. But we're um, we live in Texas, and uh, Texas is one of those states that's um, a little bit more to the red, I guess, the red than the blue. And I don't know why this whole thing has become so politicized, but it has. Um, so my wife's company have had has had her laid off since March 17th. That's when they closed their doors, and they finally reopened her store, which is a small box retail store, where she basically has to show people how to use kitchen gadgets. She has to sharpen knives for them, lots of hands-on stuff. And I don't know about all the other states out there, but in Texas, if you were really, really, really lucky before the mask mandate, you might have. 30 or 40 percent of the people in a store are actually wearing masks. And um, unfortunately, uh, much to my dismay and chagrin and, well, fuck, it pissed me off, goddammit. They opened her fucking store while the mask mandate hadn't happened yet. There was still one week that she had to go back to work without that. So I'm not sure if that's how it happened or not, but uh, I do know that she had been back to work for about a week. We both got really sick, uh, both tested positive two Mondays ago. Thank God uh, we have negative tests as of Friday, so we're out of that part of it. But I think the uh, coughing and, and, and weakness is going to be with her, unfortunately, a long time. So I don't know, just for whatever it's worth, just please wear your mask. Be, be courteous of other people out there because this thing is real and it's obviously very, very easy to catch. Yeah, if you think a mask is uncomfortable... Uh, look up what what they do when they put you on the uh, when they intubate you. Oh God! I had a couple of really scary nights. Her there there was about a week there that her fever would not break, and um, I would stay awake listening to her just to make sure her breathing was staying, you know, regular and her breathing didn't get shallow or she didn't sound like she was struggling. But it was uh, it was a scary experience. I w- I was very fortunate. I had like 
one really, really bad night early on and kind of sweated it all out a couple of nights after that. But, uh, yeah, don't take uh, chances. Don't take chances with your loved ones, your family members, and take this thing seriously. And I guess above all, be respectful of, of other people, you know? It's a hard thing to do <laughs> when uh, Mayor Vaughn's running around telling you that it's <laughs> that's right. ridiculous. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, that's just it. Is it's not just your Mayor Vaughn's. It's, it's the older older people. The what, what are they called? The aldermen. Yeah. And then you have also you have the media too in this. Mm. You oh, know, Harry. at least you have meadows. You have meadows. So. In the book, so there are differences between the movie and the book, and I, we're going to spoil them. It's just what it is. It's been out for 75, uh, 75, 45 years at this point. I think we can spoil something. I, I but, think so. Did you, you didn't see the spoiler that a dear listener put on the page thinking you had read the book before, did you? Um, I don't think I did. Oh, okay. I was pretty quick to catch it because, you know, I psychotically check when I get a group notification for some reason. I'm not sure why yeah. I just think I have to do it right then. But uh, I was like, oh, no, that's kind of a spoiler. Please take it down. And then it went away. No, I think I just saw the where you had said, oh, that was a spoiler. We'll take it down for now. Anyway, I busted yeah. up your flow. But no, that's okay. If anybody is listening that wants to doesn't want spoilers, you know, because to know about the differences, um, maybe they've seen the movie, you know, but they don't want to spoil the book, um, then go read the book and come back. Yeah, it's but a quick read. <laughs> it's yeah, a quick read. Because you know, we didn't do one last last year, but you know, this is definitely qualifies as a VD clinic, you know, official trashy beach read. Um, <laughs> We're working the on movie. our way up to Flowers in the Attic next year, probably. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, please. I don't know how long the book is. Mother, eat the cookie! Um, Christy Swanson. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, when I was, in, I was in high school, everybody was reading that book. Everybody was reading that. I know. I, I actually didn't. They're reading all those V.C. Andrews books. I didn't read those then, but I did read... Um, flowers in the attic, at least a little bit later. But that's a different story. That's, in that's just one of the first things that pops up when I picture looking at adults reading books on the beach from my childhood. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah, okay. Like I know my mom and probably some of my aunts had flowers in the attic sitting. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, any like Jackie Collins or something, but we are not going to. I'm going to draw the line at Jackie Collins. <laughs> Sorry, just. I only really know the name as. Uh... Did she write those red covered novels? There were all those romance novels. Yeah. Okay. That apparently were a step step up from Harlequin romance. I don't. Not my genre. <laughs> so I, can, yeah. I can't say from personal experience, but. I think my um, older sister had a bunch of those. Yeah, I have friends who were in th into them, and that's that's why I know. I'm like, okay. We could do uh, uh, Stacey Abrams, former Georgia gubernatorial candidate. Stacey Abrams, I guess, writes romance novels. Really? Yeah. I, d okay. I didn't know that. She's got at least oh. one or two. 
Only you would know that. Well, there's that one guy in Tennessee that won uh, the Republican. I think it was Tennessee. Yes. Uh, that writes uh, Sasquatch erotica. Watch erotica. Oh yes. no. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I heard a, about that. Yeah, this is a real thing. Oh, the good old days when it was just they write Sasquatch erotica. Oh, but of... so no, actually, and while we're on this this weird topic, Peter Benchley that wrote Jaws uh-huh. had been um, a speech writer for Lyndon B. Johnson. I did read that. Yeah, I read that in the afterward notes in in the Jaws edition. I was like, what? That's so. That's such an interesting thing. I. You know, I just don't think about it, but you can see why he was just like, yeah, I can write, but mm, I got to this is not my milieu. I got <laughs> I got I'm I, not my, you know, niche of writing. I got to go to this other area. Kind of interesting, though. Yeah, but it's, all, it's all connected. All connected, I guess. At least he wasn't a writer for Nixon, right? <laughs> <laughs> It True. Been a lot worse. Yeah, the guy that wrote Starship Troopers is more likely to be a writer for Nixon. <laughs> ah, okay. The the you've I'm sure you've probably seen the movie. Sure, sure. Yeah. The the novel is written by like a super pro military guy. I think he was a veteran, and he ah, was, he was okay. like angry at Eisenhower and shit. And it was uh so <laughs> I really liked what uh shit. Why am I forgetting his name? The director. Verhoeven? Yeah, Paul Verhoeven. I love what he did with it. And I think it actively pissed off the writer. Oh, yeah, it did. That's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) But movie, uh, the movie's, anyway, Jaws. God damn it. We're acting like it's psychosemantic over here. Which, but Verhoeven directed Showgirls, which was the first episode of VD Clinic. So it really all comes back to the oh, show. Wow, I've got to go back and listen to that one. That's true. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, this David very well. Sorry, <laughs> I made David watch that. <laughs> oh, it has right, its good yeah. points. It's uh, <laughs> it's definitely laughable. Oh, it totally does. It actually has some good satirical moments, but it's just certain people in aren't in on the joke, and that's what's funny. I can see that. Um, Elizabeth Berkeley being the big one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Jesse. Gina Gershon gets it though. <laughs> well. Anyway, that's a past episode. <laughs> Go look that one up. It's probably it is the first one, I think, right? Is that what you said? It is. Yeah. 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 Down downloading it as we speak. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So Jaws, I that was one thing I found interesting about Benchley is that he had started uh, writing in politics, but I mean he was a freelance journalist, so I guess maybe it makes sense. Yeah, and he I, I never read any of his other books. I don't know if he wrote other books, even. Um, he it seems that he wrote some. He felt bad about people being scared of sharks after the book. Eventually, I don't know how long it took him to say that. Yeah, there was some of that in the. Uh, I, I ended up uh, buying the book on my on my Nook, and there was quite a bit of notes 
afterwards talking about all the different titles that he thought about calling the book the head like over 150 titles that he yeah and... <laughs> yeah mine has a great afterwards um like excerpts like he's a whole um mine has like the title idea brainstorm list and that mm-hmm. yeah there were like almost 150 of them and then there's like an excerpt from the book shark trouble Shark Trouble, that's right. <laughs> Which is a nonfiction book he partly wrote about Jaws, the writing and making of the movie Jaws. The writing of the book and the making of the movie. Yeah. And the whole process. Might be hmm. worth checking out. No, which no, no. I, now I want to read that because I want to find finding yeah. out more. And once I watched rewatched the movie, and this time I watched like the making of documentary or whatever that was on the edition I had. Uh, it was kind of it was it, there were certain things that I found very interesting in the fact of. I mean, we've already said that there are differences between the book and the movie and you know that's pretty common when you have uh film adaptations of written material existing written material but you know the spielberg he not just he, peter benchley was a lot you know did write or co-write the original screenplay for this so there is some of it that is very faithful Probably more so than other movies, I think, would have been. But then there were, you know, multiple writer, other writers who got involved, including Spielberg himself. And then Spielberg allowed a certain amount of ad-libbing here and there. And like that shark speech, for instance, that Quint does, like the Indianapolis speech. Mm-hmm. It, like the Robert Shaw was the one who had like did the last draft of that speech like went through and helped rewrite it before it was actually done. Yeah. I I was so disappointed that that wasn't the speech wasn't in the book. I know I I was too. I was too, but you know, but it was an interesting uh, evolution to hear how this project evolved. And I don't know, Spielberg, I guess maybe because he was younger, he just has, doesn't strike me as someone who's very into ad-libbing. Really? I don't know why. Okay. He strikes me as a little bit more of a control freak. Not not quite Kubrick level, I wouldn't think, though, right? <laughs> oh, no, gosh, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. But especially, but I, you know, I'm saying because maybe he was, this was also one of his younger, I mean, earlier films. Mm-hmm. You know, as he said, as he describes himself making this, he's like, yeah, I was kind of just young and stupid to some extent. <laughs> it wasn't just inexperienced. It was just young and stupid. <laughs> when with the shark effects failing so many times and him being right. forced to change, it probably made him a little bit more amenable to, okay, well, we're if we're going to change this, then yeah, go ahead. You know, I've got a, I've got a sunken shark. You guys try to figure out what 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 you're gonna say in the next in this next scene here, <laughs> and they what they threatened to shut down the movie quite a few times. Yeah, well, and I love that they named the shark Bruce after Spielberg's lawyer. 
Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um makes you wonder. I'm like, was it Spielberg's lawyer on the phone <laughs> or someone like that saying <laughs> your funding's being pulled? Yeah. I uh, I guess uh, well, another way we could go into this was how yeah. when did you first watch Jaws? Lance, go ahead. <laughs> oh God, I um <clears throat> I missed it the first go around. I remember <clears throat> everybody telling me about. I had some some friends when I was young that used to say, "Oh God, it's the scariest thing ever." And uh, I, I, I never will forget. I have two friends. They named Raul and Romy. And I stayed over at their house, and I remember they were telling me how scary it was, and their dad was like, oh, God, you've got to check out this movie, Jaws. I really don't think I ever got around to it until it had been out for about 10 years or so. And I think it came on HBO, and my dad was kind of my gateway to a lot of the Spielberg stuff and the 80s action movies and late 70s action movies. And I watched it with him, and... um, uh, now, I did introduce it to the granddaughters when they were, I think, like two and seven years old. <laughs> so, got them started early. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think I didn't see it until about, I guess, about 85 or so. Oh, cool. We might have seen it around the same time. I was a little bit frightened, to be honest with you. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. I can get into that. And then I started kind of seeking out more uh, similar movies and more Spielberg stuff at that point. Oh, and when he had the what did went uh, American Graffiti? Did you get to that quick, or did you get to that one late? Uh, pretty. That was pretty George Lucas. That was George. Oh, Lucas. that was George Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sugarland oh. Express, right? Was uh, and Duel. Spielberg. Du- Duel was the first. Ah, oh, that was the made-for-TV movie about the truck driver who went uh-huh. nuts, right? Yeah. I didn't see that until about 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's not bad. Let's see. So, I, yeah, I was... I probably saw Jaws on the couch with, with my dad on HBO around the time that Lance watched it. We were probably watching the same exact time. Yeah, it same, was probably same the, exact time. the free preview weekend. That's right. <laughs> Where our, yeah, we sat there with the VCR and just recorded everything and sorted it out later. Uh, Vanessa, what about you? Um, it was the late seventies, um, and it was on regular TV because we didn't have cable. Um, <laughs> it was with my dad, probably knowing my dad, but I was yeah, I was young. I mean. That's why I mean, I was maybe five at the oldest and it helped contribute to my fear of water and sw- and why I can't swim to this day. I mean, if I had to save myself, I'm probably could, but maybe because <laughs> I do a mean back. I do a mean backstroke and can float and doggy paddle, but that holding my breath underwater, I don't do because I will. Between this movie, this movie, and the legacy, and nearly drowning taking swimming lessons one time, I, yeah. I, that did it for me for years. Oh, yeah, the legacy was definitely one of my early influences <laughs> that got, got me into horror movies. 
<laughs> yep. But again, yeah, another another one my dad showed to me at an early age. I was at least a little bit older with that one, that one, but I had already been scarred by Jaws. <laughs> and so, the, you know, that underwater thing just already, yeah. Yeah, those swimming pool covers that close like that, fuck that. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with a swimming yeah. pool that has a cover over, that can get cover over it while you're swimming, you know? Oh, is that where they got it for uh, Ghost in the Machine? I guess so. I guess. Can't think of anything other than that that had that sort of thing happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally showed my five-year-old Jaws, mm-hmm. but I was already irresponsible and let him see <laughs> uh, 47 Meters Down Part 2 and uh, <laughs> Deep Blue Sea. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I figured if he would, if he was okay with those, he'd be okay with Jaws and he likes Jaws. Well, I don't know. I might tack it on at the end. I sent you guys yeah. the little audio recording. You should. <laughs> I was uh, thinking the same thing. <laughs> Danzig's review of the movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Gotta get that on there, man. Uh, and we've talked enough politics that this will probably also come out on the psychosemantic feed. Okay. But but um but I, I guess another thing um when you're talking about parents being irresponsible with showing their children things, I don't know if it's that. I think it's it's also what they're you what is more normalized now than compared to then. Like I didn't you show your child more things and. My dad, like, I didn't watch a lot of TV other than PBS, like, educational programming. And even that was very limited. Oh, yeah. We had to save up our TV hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, yeah, exactly. That's why I watch so many fucking movies now. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's like, I could do it. There's no limit, even though there's other limits. In the, But fuck it. Jaws. The first uh, difference I noticed. Yeah. Was, uh, well, I mean, I don't Something that somebody might consider having still in the movie now, if they made it nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, they might change how Chrissy gets to the water you know that that's easy enough to change but when uh hendrix finds her the next day and he's blowing his whistle and vomiting i feel like that might have stayed in a movie maybe not a steven spielberg movie but if if someone was given that material they might have had that part in yeah I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that was pretty like when I was reading it, it was it was pretty easy to visualize all that. So I could definitely see that being put into a into a movie without without any problem. It's not like reading something like House of Leaves where you're like, how in the fuck would they make something this obtuse into a into a film? It was it was pretty and it was a 250 page book, like you guys said, kind of a short read. So I don't know when you guys were reading the book, were you couldn't help yourself but picture the actors that that were in the movie for all the parts well for the most part i mean 
until I mean, there were certain things, obviously, where they the Benchley gives a very distinct description, and it's so different. And then you're like, yeah, okay, now I'm like the Quint <laughs> different, the bald head, <laughs> like Mister Clean compared to yeah. Robert Shaw. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a big difference, but. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like, okay, I had to work to get that in my head and, and make that work for a little bit. I got there, but <laughs> what do you what do you what did you people think about the differences in Matt Hooper? Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> Not a very likable character in the book, was he? The he's the anti Dreyfus. No. Right. Yeah, he is very much so. <laughs> I think that that's a lot weird. of people's main complaint. I'm sorry. Uh huh. That was weird. That was that was a complete turnaround for sure. I I wasn't expecting that. Well, that yeah, because it wasn't just attitude. It you know obviously there's the affair situation. So, and for me. I I think that was something that was helpful to cut out cut out of the book. I mean cut out of the movie. Yes. I think so too. I think it works in a trashy beach novel. Yes. Not so much in in a summer blockbuster movie. No. Absolutely not. It it adds nothing to the story and especially you got to condense down for for length. You're already at a a movie that's just over two hours, even though it doesn't drag so much. There are only a few places where you seem to have like down moments, mm-hmm. but they don't last very long. And to have, I feel like to have that or the mob subplot in there too, that goes on with, you know, the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more backstory there, huh? A little bit ma- more backstory there. Not sure if we needed that. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if we needed that, and, and I and so I'm glad that got cut out there too. But you know, it keeps it focused on what the story is. I feel even reading the book, that's my those are my complaints about the book. It I don't mind the mob subplot so much in the book. Mm-hmm. But the like the romance, the little affair side thing in the movie, I mean, in the book, I'm just kind of like, OK, it, I feel like it's meandering a little bit. I don't know. I feel like it takes up too much of the story when really you have more even that could go on between the, you know, in the book. In the book, I feel the actual hunt between the three mm-hmm. of Hooper, Brody, and Quint, it doesn't last that long in the book, I feel. Uh, Textually, no, although I, I will get to that part later. But, you know, it, that is also different as they go out and come back, go out, come back, go out, come back. In, right. In the book. And in the movie, it's like they're just out until it's done. Yeah, right. One, one long expedition. Right. But considering that in the movie, that is half the movie, is them their expedition mm-hmm. to kill the beast. But 
in in the book, it, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of it you once you cut out that the affair type stuff. I mean, and it's fine, like like we said, for a trashy beachy type thing. And I'm not complaining that that that's what this is. It's just it is what it is. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, if you don't want that, then you know, you want just adventure. I mean, it's certainly a step up. It's certainly above an old the old man in the sea, in my opinion. Because <laughs> I was sitting there at points reading this, and that's the last. I was like, that's probably the last book I read where I had someone out at, out at sea this much. <laughs> right. Dying in a boat and like looking at the thoughts of a fish. <laughs> well, I will say, though, that that sub- subplot in the book definitely added to the tension uh, once they got on the boat between... Brody and Hooper, and there was that hilarious right. scene where Quince just started laughing and fell out of his seat and said, I saw that coming since you both entered my boat. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I I agree. If you're going to change the Hooper character, it certainly does, you know, add to the tension, but you could have, you didn't even have to have them necessarily act on anything. Mm-hmm. You could just have them like a flirtation type going on and just basic jealousy and save a certain amount of time and get some of the same results. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't know. That's but just my opinion as far as where you could have trimmed it down a little. Because <clears throat> they, they gloss over, I guess in the book, there's a lot of talk about the Amity understanding and all that stuff and uh, what Brody, in the book, Brody's from there. Mm-hmm. And she's right. And but in the movie, it's like they they all move from New York. Yes. And uh, yeah, which just... I sorry to interrupt. No. I think it makes sense for at least one of them to have been from the area. Okay. I mean, is that just me? Yeah, it's but well, I mean, we I am definitely a proponent of police officers working in the areas in which they live. So oh, I guess it's good that he moved there, but it, it is weird that they hired. It's like hot fuzz or something. It was like, We're sending you to Amity Island. <laughs> hot fuzz. Didn't expect to hear that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it works, though. <laughs> yes, it does. But, you know, there's that time on the beach with that lady. It's like you can you'll never be an islander. You have to be born here. Now, they don't say it to Brody, and maybe he's from there. You know, a lot of the stuff in the movie could be the same story as from the book, but they just don't show it. You know, they could be going right. out, going out and coming back in when they're on the boat. So I, I didn't see anywhere to fucking sleep. And I see at least... Right. You know, that, uh, or they, they don't have the backstory about when Brody and Mrs. Brody got together... Yeah, they have. They leave a lot of the stuff out about her feeling weird because it's like she, she married the help, or whatever <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which they don't touch on that so much in in the movie, you know, yeah. like the social social ladder and all that kind of stuff, and the way that she kind of feels some regrets and things like that. You and know? truthfully, if you're gonna add some more to the movie, I think you could have added some of that 
and then you know and then you had a little cut down a little bit trimmed down a little bit of your like maybe five minutes of the action out trying to catch you know the actual fish if you're going to change it around a little because that would add an interesting dynamic and certainly explain some things yeah. you know it's... about how the community treats him too very true and she's not in the movie a whole lot, especially in compared to the no, and no, she's I don't, not. I don't know if that's uh, you know, thinking back on stuff like uh, what Indiana Jones and stuff like that. Uh, women aren't really the main characters; they're kind of props in the early eighties, <laughs> early Spielberg S- stuff. Spielberg stuff, I think, but I don't know. if... Oh, I'm very just, much so. You know, very much. They're there to be moms. That's yeah. pretty much it. They're there to be wives and mothers, and that's it. Kind of like a military movie. And yeah. Uh, uh, the okay. So where where are we in the chronology? We're just kind of setting up the town. Right. No, that's just all we've kind of been talking about so far. Uh, you know, did you notice that they made a point to show how small of a mart? Well, I guess in the town, it's not as small as it would be in other places. But Mayor Vaughn won his election by seventy-one votes. Yeah. And which can I? Before we go any further, can I just say, in the movie, doesn't Mayor Vaughn have the best blazers? I mean, like that. 70s anchor print one. Oh my god, it's a special kind of magnificence. It really <laughs> that existed only in the 70s <laughs> and only in oh. like like seaside kind of communities. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he, in the movie, he's also. A real estate salesman, right? They didn't cut that part out, they just don't. No, no, he. It, yeah, I, I think that they refer to that. I was going to... I guess it would fit more with the vision of a 70s car salesperson, but... Well, we, real estate, though, too, I feel. Yeah, fair enough. So but he's a politician, so he, you know... Yeah, it's kind of like... It's kind of like... Uh, could could even be tied to global warming a little bit, you know? You've got your real estate people who want to make sure that, that you know, property close to the sea always retains its value... But they know that eventually, if you if you know anything about science, that a lot of that stuff's going to be lost. So I don't know. You could kind of maybe tie that in too a little bit. Am <laughs> I am I way off on this or what? I'm sure his politics are led. Well, I mean, it's pretty blatantly led by his uh, interest in money. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mafia or no mafia, right? Yeah. Agree. A different kind of mafia in the movie. It's just the the, mm-hmm. the local business owners. There you go. <laughs> it's just pure capitalism in the movie. Government government sanctioned mafia. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they they've got. I mean, this is the seventies, so they've got the they've got the recession going on. Hmm. Uh, what uh, there's uh, uh, was his name Bill Gardner, Mr. Gardner, the the fisherman that goes out. Ben Gardner. Ben, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his wife talking about wishing she could afford meat more than once this week. And they mm-hmm. mostly just live off the fish that he catches. And, you know. Well, and in, in the first time we see Quint in the movie, although it's brought up by, I think, another character in the book, is that basically that if they're not going to have, a, you know, make a successful summer... They're gonna be and they're gonna end up living off welfare when the winter oh, comes. Oh yes, yeah, they really went into that in the book, didn't they? Yeah, and that's that's such a big, big thing going into the economics of how communities like this operate that rely on these, you know, summer tourist dollars. Mm-hmm. And once it's winter time, and in like the book, for instance, they mention like Sag Harbor, which is one of those places out in Long Island, um, <clears throat> kind of Hamptons, Hamptons adjacent, whatever community, big whaling museum and stuff. But I've driven out there before in the off season, like even just early May, but it's before Memorial Day. And even on a nice day where it's really warm and everything, there's like, it's still just all the town, like regular town residents and it's so small but you could see how like just what a booming business it is going to become and how they're preparing for it and just these communities like okay that's their income for most of the year is just make you know they make it during you know earn it during those three months of the year and it's supposed to last them all year round essentially yeah, yeah the, can't the gig economy. Can't, can't close the beaches, guys. That's yeah. why Florida is the hottest COVID zone in the world right now, and yet everything's open. I'm actually I was actually reading the rules for Panama City Beach and it says mm-hmm. restaurants and even bars can still be at fifty percent capacity there right now. Oh my god. No, no one no one need wear masks. masks are encouraged, it says in the rules. It says, however, Employees must wear masks, but if you're visiting, masks are encouraged. It's it, it's insanity. I I have a friend who just got back from Florida, and has go, has to go through 14 days of quarantine of because in New York now. And this is interesting. Florida was putting New Yorkers on the same kind of quarantine I a few months that. a few months ago. Yes. And we were just kind of like, as New Yorkers, were kind of like, okay, yeah, that's understandable, sure. And now that the shoe's on the other foot, Floridians are fucking pissed. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? We did the courtesy for you. Like, what do you not understand? We're all in this together. It's not like an us against them. That's what pisses me off so much. It's it's not like I'm trying to antagonize anybody or you know we're all trying to get through this whole fucked up situation <laughs> in mm-hmm. one piece. You know, it's not a war or it shouldn't be a war, but that's what it's turning into. It's a group assignment and some people are skipping class. Yeah. And going to the has... beach and reading jaws. <laughs> I was supposed I'm to sorry. leave for Florida. I, I'm sorry, I had a rant. <laughs> no, uh, this is a this is where to do it. I was supposed to leave for Florida uh, the day 
Well, I had canceled it a couple days before, but I was supposed to leave the day before we went on our first lockdown. Ah, okay. Back in March. Yeah. uh, When we had a good health department director who, you know, (laughs) looking at the graphs and everything, there's like the date she resigned and then it's just everything's been going up since then uh right now they're doing county by county mask mandates which is Uh, fucking dumb um yeah they were doing that here here for a while too it's been spiking here in uh franklin county or around columbus uh, for a while so i don't think they ever rescinded the mask mandate for employees Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that we got our first mask mandate in, you know, customers going places thing. And I think it's showing in that the new cases are rising much faster than the percentage increase in uh, tests, which that's the thing I've been trying not to engage in with people that I don't, I don't know, but there've been a whole Mm -hmm. lot of, well, if you use the math wrong, you'll see that it's totally not a thing. It's not a problem. That's not how fucking math works. (laughs) I was about to say, how does that work? You got to explain that one to me. Yeah. It's like, if you don't look at the percentages, then the numbers aren't rising. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, I just kind of stepped away. If you stick your head in the sand, then the numbers aren't rising. That's true. If you do fewer tests. That is actually true. (laughs) Because you don't know what they're doing. you don't know. They could be falling for all you know. You wouldn't know because your head's in the sand looking away. That's all I'm saying. Well, the, 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 uh, (laughs) the administration right now is trying to pressure Congress to remove all the funding for contact tracing and testing and CDC and stuff in the next uh, bill that they're working on. So I, I don't get that. I read that this morning and Trump is behind that, right? Yes, very much so. Makes sense. I don't get it. I did. Why would that even make sense not to do that? Don't we want to get this thing under control quickly and move forward? I mean, I don't know. I Am I missing something here? Well, if they are transitioning the lead role to be uh health and human services instead of the cdc like it has been the head of hhs is alex azar i believe and he is not a doctor he's a lawyer slash former pharmaceutical company lobbyist what would you say his name is bruce (laughs) oh fuck him any oh sorry uh where were we? Oh, politicians. No. <laughs> in the book, they go a lot more into Mayor Vaughn uh, doing shitty. Let's see if this sounds familiar. Uh, crooked politician who's working mostly to just make himself money, getting into uh, compromising situations with some nefarious people. Uh, and trying to push the facade of normalcy in attempt to not look bad. That's Mayor No Vaughan. idea what you're talking about. 
<laughs> no, doesn't remind me of anyone right yeah. now. No, I, no, I cannot think of anyone at all that that uh, that reminds me of. I think yeah, you're, I think you're stretching. That person could have many faces, many names. Could be Ron DeSantis. Could be, yeah. I'll I'll try to tone that down a little bit. But they they really play into how, and especially in the book, in the movie, it's kind of there you know there's the mayor yeah there's the townspeople there's, well, we need we need those beach dollars we need those beach dollars but in here there's all the interworkings like you were talking about where the harry who runs the newspaper is omitting mm-hmm. things or mm-hmm. changing the way that they have stories they talk about how you they... know and and that is one one thing i really do enjoy about the book so much more is that the relationship that they have with Harry Meadows, the editor of the newspaper, and then how he feeds into outside media, you know, including when there's just, there's like a New York Times person there or whatever, and what Harry feeds to him from the story, but what he keeps for himself and for locally, and what they bury, and how even here Harry, the meta you know, the editor of the paper pressures Brody initially to keep this quiet about a shark in the area. So I mean we see him in the movie, but I do wish there were a little bit more you I feel that it would create a stronger sense of dread of like this pressure that Brody is under when knowing that he's getting it so much from the media too. It's not just the business owners and it's not just the politicians. If you see it from the media as well, you know, I, I, but um, yeah. And that whole nefarious, like kind of more complex situation that goes on with the mayor Mm-hmm. In his dealings and the, I, I don't know. I think that's a good thing about the book, but I understand why they had to cut it from the movie. I don't know. Sorry, I think I de- I derailed your thought, but <laughs> no, that's fine. Oh, I was just kind of working up to you know we were talking about present day situations and parallels and things in the book, and I I wrote down mm-hmm. this quote. It's about a paragraph long it's in chapter 10 but it's it's brody talking about what's going on and you know it's a christ i'd rather have a hurricane or an earthquake at least after that they happen they're over and done with you can look around and see what's been done and what has to be done they're events something you can handle they have a beginning and an end this is crazy it's as if there's a maniac running around loose killing people wherever he felt like it you know who he is, but you can't catch him, and you can't stop him. I think that that stood out the yeah, most as sort of that... representative of right now and the, mm-hmm. the beaches and the pandemic and stuff that we were linking. Together. Well, it's just this whole sense of uncertainty of the okay, we know it's out there, but and we know. It please some of what we can do to avoid it, but you know, can we live? We can't live life in fear. Mm-hmm. Although we're kind of forced into this situation to some extent, and we sure. still have to function normally. 
and what is in a normal right now looks nothing like what it did six months ago. You know, um, you know, it just, it's totally different. And to see that it's only that small period of time that's where we are at this, you know, point. Yeah. We ne- we never thought that we'd be here. We never thought we would be here. Just like these people in this island, Amity Island, never thought they'd have this situation where a shark has come in and killed multiple people and is putting, endangering the dollar, the economy, but also just the lives of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's people that want it. They just want to go out and it's, you know, the time of year where you want to go out and have fun and do different things and whatever. And I mean, thankfully I'm not a beach person, so <laughs> I'm not missing anything, but you know, I, yeah, I want to go out and do things outdoors too. I want to go to, you know, I want to go to bars and restaurants, but I can't do that. I know. It's a, it's a bummer. It's, a it's bummer. not like I'm someone who goes out all the time, but just to do to do every once in a while, but also just to have the option when you don't have the option. And I understand that's what's frustrating people so much. I, I get it. But we can't, this is no time to just throw caution to the wind. Well, Disney World did reopen two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolute height of the hot zone. <laughs> I'm surprised Why? nobody's... Well, I'm sure somebody probably has. Has anybody done the uh-huh. uh, the Epcot ball as a COVID? Uh, I don't know. That might work out. <laughs> Lord. That's pretty funny, man. I think that's a political cartoon waiting to happen right now. <laughs> I wish I could draw. <laughs> Uh, but they have that in the book too. There's <coughs> people running around screaming, "It's my constitutional right." Sure. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. That's like, I mean, I get, you know, I don't know. That's oh, the short sightedness. I'll, I'll never look at the. I'll never look at the Epcot Center. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Valid point. Oh man. <laughs> It's, I mean, if, if it hasn't happened, it's going to pop up soon. Cause yeah, they opened what? Two weeks ago, mm-hmm. one week ago, I think two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, another thing I know we were, we, we said, we're going to take a break when we get to the shark hunt. Uh, yes. so another thing that I wanted to, that I was curious about that stands out and uh, people tend to feel strongly about is the difference in the dinner party scenes, I guess. Uh, In the movie, it's not so much a dinner party, but there is wine and Hooper involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But what, what, how did you guys take the, the group of people and that the Daisy girl uh, talking about the police and uh, sort of <laughs> ribbing Brody. That was that was kind of funny. But he, as the police in the background here, um, <laughs> start up. Uh, 
it's another another uh, weekend in uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, what can I say? Um, no, the, you know it, it was funny, and then Brody like just like oh, he's just like annoyed by the whole situation of that I, like that whole dinner party to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then, th- then she does that, and it's just like every little thing starts to just like dig at him after a while. And he does that and angry drinking. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of angry drinking and sad drinking in the Jaws novel. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it was the seventies. Yeah, that's true. Everybody had everybody had their own fully stocked bar, right? With a mirror behind it and everything. Cocktail hour. Oh yeah. Cigarette smoking in the lounge. Sure. <laughs> well, they, in the they, hospitals too. Oh yeah. <laughs> they do have that part in the movie when uh they walk past Brody's truck and there's all those empty cans mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah. I uh, don't know if I really paid much attention to it last time when I hadn't so recently read the novel where there is so much drinking and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it kind of makes sense because they talk about Amity in the movie being a really small town and all these places are close together. So also the part about Hooper being the little brother of Ellen's ex-boyfriend totally fits with how tight knit the the island people tend to be or seem to be and i think he could have even had that still that detail still in here to kind of establish the fact of the relationship of these kind of people to the community like even if you're saying adding the detail that martin brody himself is from new york city Mm-hmm. But she is originally from this area and, oh, and wow, she knows Hooper who's from this area or whatever. Even if they don't go into, like, go into the affair. Do you know sure. what I mean? Yeah, it, of course. It, it certainly establishes this kind of area and how Brody is treated a certain way and maybe why she doesn't seem to be treated as much, you know in the movie. I, you know, I think that they could do that. And it would, you know, it wouldn't have been any like additional, like what that's two sentences worth of extra dialogue. Maybe, you know, two or two minutes of screen, extra screen time tops that we have to write into the script, but it gives, it establishes an interesting kind of aspect to make this these characters more three-dimensional certainly the mm-hmm. certainly the ellen character god give her some more backstory please <laughs> maybe maybe that's what <laughs> four was they were trying to uh-huh. make up for it but a little too late yeah i don't know uh let's see is there anything else pre shark hunt that we wanted to talk about from the book movie? Well, the movie in general, I just want to say it's so that John Williams score is so iconic. Um, I mean, he did win an Oscar for this, but you've seen a symphony perform it live, right? No, I have not. Oh, 
I went and saw our symphony do it once, and it was it was really sweet. <laughs> it was really That's rad, man, awesome. with the symphony. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? It. Did they did they do a, a lot of John Williams stuff or just specifically yeah. that? It, it was Star Wars stuff, <laughs> and uh, I think it was one of his birthdays or something. Okay, uh, it was one of those uh, ones like bring the kids if you want uh, symphonies rather than the usual Friday Saturday night where I get glares yeah. from the ush some of the ushers. Yeah, um, but some of the ushers love me. Well, but it just makes me think, like, John Williams compliments Spielberg the way that Bernard Herrmann and his scores complimented Hitchcock. Oh, nice. Like, sometimes they make the movie. Not, I mean, do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. like Danny score... Elfman and Tim Burton. For Same more... thing. Ah, there you exactly. go. Exactly. But, like, look at Jaws and this score... Like, it makes it a certain amount of the suspense is based on the score. Same with Psycho and what Bernard Herrmann does there with that score. It, but you're right. And Danny Elfman, you know, with different Tim Burton movies. It's, I mean, there are just certain composers that it, that work well with direct, you know, certain directors. And I really think that this movie owes... It's not that the book doesn't have a, a significant amount of suspense, which it's interesting the way it is written, um, the buildup to the actual shark attacks. Uh, there is a distinct suspense, but when you see it in the movie, and especially because they didn't or couldn't show you the, you know, the shark, because mm-hmm. <laughs> the stupid thing kept you know, breaking. <laughs> oh, that adds to the suspense, though, right? It adds to the suspense. And so you have to rely on the score. It's like when you see The Haunting. I mean, there's so much of, like, the sound effects in that that make it just... in camera angles that make it the horror movie that it is. But, you know, sound effects just yeah. can make... They make such a difference. And... I was listening to the making of documentary for Jaws and Spielberg is talking about the very end of it, the movie when the shark, uh, it blows up spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's how it happens in the movie. Um, but it's a little different in the book. Yeah. But, and, but, at the, when he's going, when the, you know, the shark is going down, you hear like kind of this muted, like distorted growling scream. And apparently it's the same kind of weird sound effect that Steven Spielberg used in the movie Duel when the trucks crashed off the cliff. And it's like a combination of like, you know, different machines breaking and like, lions roaring or something that's right (laughs) it's so funny but he's like yeah i had used it during duels (laughs) it was like his little homage but he said he kind of he said yeah and he kind of sees these two as like spirit animal films you know uh which i'm like i have to rewatch duel to see whether or not i agree with that but uh, i just thought that was interesting 
Well, and how iconic the music is, like your original point. I mean, mm-hmm. that da-da-da score became yeah. what is used when anything is sneaking up and going to attack in one way or another. Uh, what didn't they use it in uh, Pretty in Pink or Sweet Sixteen or something like that? <laughs> when Anthony Michael Hall's getting ready to talk to Molly Ringwald, you know, it's just that ev- might have been Sixteen Candles. I don't know. Yeah, Anthony Michael Candle. Hall there, wasn't I don't know in Pretty in Pink. I, I, I think you're talking about Sixteen Candles. I don't know that that well, but I know the two of them were. No, wait. Was she in that? Yeah, I guess. I don't know that one that well. Pretty in Pink is the one where uh, Andy McCarthy and uh, What's-His-Face that plays the douchebag and mannequin. Uh, (laughs) No. James Spader. Yeah, but John Cryer. And John Cryer Cryer. as Ducky. And uh, Annie Potts as the awesome punk rock lady that runs the record store. Yeah, she's. I love her in that movie. Oh, and Harry Dean Stanton was her dad. Oh, dad. anyway. <laughs> anyway. Wow. wow. Uh, John Hughes flashbacks. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the music make it helps uh, helps make the movie so much. Uh, but also, you know, with the other the other thing, I when I hear dun dun dun, you know what I think of? Clerks. Dun dun dun. Wow. <laughs> Cage goes in the water. Sharks Chick- in the water. Our shark. <laughs> salsa shark. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> and that scene, well, I guess that's in the, the boat scene. Never mind. But that's, yeah. that's like an hour and 21 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think this would probably be a good place to take a break. All right. Lance, you, you satisfied with where we are so far? In the chronology? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You guys want to take, like, just a five-minute break or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll be right back. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting. But that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. And now, another episode of Quarantine Theater. Don't you worry about it, Chief. It won't be permanent. You want to see something permanent? 
You want to feel something permanent? You just put your hand underneath my cap. You feel that little lump? Knocko Nolan's St. Patty's Day, Boston? <laughs> I got that beat! It's a moray eel! It bit right through my wetsuit! Well, now listen. I don't know what about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in a bar in San Francisco. See this? Can't extend that. You know why? Because in the semi-final, celebrating my third wife's demise, big Chinese feller, he pulled me right over. Oh, uh, yeah? Huh. Look at that. Huh. Look at that. That's a bull shark. He scraped me when I was taking samples. I got something for you. That's a thresher. You see that? A thresher's tail. Thresher? It's a shark. You want a drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. So we drink to our legs. <laughs> uh, I got the creme de la creme right here. Hold on, hold on. Here, you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Yeah, yeah, right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke me heart. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one? What? Th that one there. On your arm. Oh, a tattoo. I got that removed. <laughs> Don't tell me. Mother. <laughs> what, what is it? Mr. Hooper, that's the USS Indianapolis. You were on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into her side, Chief. I was coming back from the island of Tinanulayet. Just delivered the bomb. The Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. Vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer. You know, you know how you tell that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know. Because our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. Didn't even list us as overdue for a week. Very first light, sharks come cruising. So we form ourselves into tight groups, you know, kind of like old squares in a battle. Like you see on a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo. The idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, and he starts pounding, hollering, screaming. Sometimes the shark would go away, but sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into your, right into your eyes. You know a thing about a shark? It's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living till he bites you. Those black eyes roll over white and then... Then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming that the ocean turns red. In spite of the pounding and the hollering, they all come in. They rip you to pieces. You know, but the end of that first dawn, we lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men. They average six an hour. On Thursday morning, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. I reached over to wake him up. He bobbed up and down in the water, just like kind of a top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half, below the waist. Noon the fifth day. Lockheed Ventura saw us, swung in low, and he saw us. 
He was a young pilot, younger than Mr. Hooper. He saw us, and he came in low. And three hours later, big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. That was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, 1,100 men went into the water. 316 men come out. Sharks took the rest. June 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. What's that? It's a whale! Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. Show me the way to go home. Tired and I want to go to bed. Have you had a better drink about an hour and a half ago? And it's gone right through my head. Wherever I may roam, you will always hear me singing this song. Show me the way to go home. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Had a little drink about an hour ago, and it went right to my head. Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or you can always hear me singing. Start the engines. All right. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I know we did. <laughs> uh, and that's what it's all about. Is amuse yourself, and hopefully others will enjoy that. But uh, so exactly. the events kind of lead up the same way for the most part that gets our crew our on trio. the water. Yeah, the trio on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the movie, there's the iconic fingernail on the chalkboard scene and everything. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they just call Quint. 
in the book. That, that's been played out so often in like the Family Guy and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the big fish. Well, it, yeah. Robert Shaw is has made Quint such a he made Quint such a, an icon. I I feel not that he was not that the character wasn't in the book, mm-hmm. but Robert Shaw took took him to a whole other level. I think in the and book, I would sorry. Well, and I was reading on IMDb. I don't know how true this is, but. It's an interesting thought that Oliver Reed was considered for the role of Quint. Okay. Oliver and I'm like, Reed. I, I could totally I mean, see that. Okay. I could totally see it. I, I think I heard that in one documentary or another that I watched about the movie. I mean, both severe, yeah, you know, so drunkards in real life. And mm-hmm. yeah, I could see them being all, yeah, that works. But still, Robert Shaw has a, I don't know, brings his own special magical crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> magical crazy, that, that well, works. Well, no, because, because <clears throat> we are reminded so much more in the book that Quint is like an Ahab kind of Oh, character. absolutely, yeah. There's and he even... and even kill the, that fucking fish. And even... <laughs> The way he dies in the book mm-hmm. and in the original screenplay for this is more like Captain Ahab. Mm-hmm. But um, using my English degree for a change. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I feel, I don't know, I, I think it works, though, to the fact of having him die like he does having the shark eat him, considering he had that whole big, his whole speech about the Indianapolis, it's you know, it, it works the same wait kind of, this whole time. yeah, same kind of fate, mm-hmm. you know, fate-filled, you know, destiny. Yeah, I like, I, I think, it's hard to tell, uh, There, there is so much... I feel like there's a lot more personality in the Robert Shaw Quint, mm-hmm. but I yes. still kind of feel like the book Quint is less of an asshole. <laughs> Agreed. Which people love assholes and everything, but I, I think from what I understand, he was kind of annoyed with Richard Dreyfuss's style of acting. So yeah. that kind of fed into yeah. the antagonism that they had on the screen. Well, but... <sighs> In the book, considering that Hooper is different than Dreyfus's Hooper, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Hooper being more of an asshole there to counterbalance. And when you don't have Hooper in the movie being a real asshole, yeah, he's you like... know, it, it, it's <laughs> like you have to have someone compensating. You have to have someone playing that that you know it's count point counterpoint mm-hmm. you know with Brody somewhere in the middle yeah because you don't have the tension in the movie between you know Hooper and Brody like you do in the book for obvious reasons and where Brody's kind of like watching him out of the corner of his eye trying to 
you know, trying to poke him to get him to tell where he really was that Wednesday when he said he was in his hotel room alone. Yeah. And then yeah. he said he was uh, out dating Daisy, who, as we all know, is a lesbian. So there's right. no way he yeah. would have been dating her. But so you had to build that tension in another way. So I think Robert Shaw kind of brought that more to the movie. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, and especially because you have Hooper in the film seeming so much more just science-minded. Mm-hmm. More likable like, in the film, for sure. Yeah, exactly, and certainly more likable. He doesn't come across as, even though he says he comes from money, he refers to that. He doesn't seem as much like a snotty little rich boy. He just yeah. seems like science boy. Yeah, like Book Hooper is snotty little rich boy. Yeah, where he has to be down to what he's dressing, you know, dressed in. No, actually, look at what Hooper is wearing in the film. This is a guy who is who looks much more practical, like being, you know, working in that environment. You know, him dressed up is oh, he has a he has a blazer and a tie. You know. And a button down, but he's still wearing jeans and, you know, chucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got it, you know, <laughs> he just happened to not have his beanie hat on. <laughs> he combed his hair. <laughs> like, that's him getting dressed up. But <laughs> but he brings his own boat instead of, in the book, borrowing the dead guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's just interesting little changes that all make sense when you think about it. But I right. feel like the differences are also part of why some people are get frustrated or angry at the book after having seen the movie. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a phenomenon. I mean, that was one of the parts of that comment by our uh, friend was, see, that's why I didn't like the book. It was because it's different from the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, I took. They they have different tones, I guess. Uh, a lot of the way through, and uh, I did want to double check because I kind of glossed over some of the Daisy Hooper stuff. Is Daisy the one that was at the dinner party? Yes. That Ellen had, who probably knew she was a lesbian, right? No. No. Not Ellen necessarily. Okay. Maybe not necessarily. Because she seemed to... Or maybe she... You don't know if she necessarily knew. Okay. But she could have done it on purpose. Could have done that on purpose. But she was the... Like, the Jon Stewart character in Half-Baked. She's like, have you ever eaten gazpacho? On weed? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's a great movie. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) But... (laughs) So they're on the boat. Hooper in the in the book, Hooper and Brody are kind of, you know, Brody's pretty obvious with his suspicion, and Hooper is kind of ashamed but getting annoyed that he's being suspected of doing something he's done. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and yeah, Bro or Quint is just kind of you two fucking assholes. <laughs> I knew you were gonna get into it. Um. What 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 else really stands out uh, in this this portion? Uh, I think we, off mic or on mic, talked about how in the book, 
they're going out and coming back in. And in the movie, it's not necessarily implied, but the orca does not appear to have any sleeping quarters. No, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get that they would have to come out and come back in, come out and come back in. It's not that big of a, you know, vessel, but I guess to condense it down in the movie, they didn't show that progression. And it seems like they catch, you know, the fish awfully quickly. Mm -hmm. They could have still shown, I think a passage of time, some sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. And the, in the book, they even had a, a part where there was a reporter on the last day that tried to get on the boat with them, and they told him to right. go to hell. <laughs> but he right. did like he did let the uh, cage on. Remember, um, right. Brody was like, "There's no fucking way you're getting in that shark cage." <laughs> right. And it ended a little bit differently for him in the in the book. Right. Yeah. What do you? What did? Uh, how did? Talk me through how how you uh, went through that that section. Were you surprised, or did you see it coming? I, I I was surprised in a few ways. I, I thought he was going to be successful. And for a minute, I thought the cage wasn't going to go on the boat. Yeah, I didn't think it was either. But once that all happens, whatever, I didn't think he if he died, I didn't think he was going to die like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the only thing. Um, I'm surprised at how quick it happened i guess yeah yeah it was a page or two <laughs> right that's all i was surprised at how quick it happened it quickly it just went okay what <laughs> <laughs> the last thing he saw yeah um it was i don't know if i would well uh, again that's if if they Left in the part where Brody or where Hooper was more of a dickhead and he had the affair mm -hmm. with Ellen. But if they left that part out and they just substituted in the ending for the Hooper character played by Richard Dreyfus, I don't yeah. think as many people would like the movie. <laughs> I, no, I, agree. I think he's an extremely likable character in the movie. Right. He's too, in the movie, he's too likable. And if you had killed him off like that, nobody would have been happy. Yeah, people would have gotten really ticked off. <laughs> oh, that alternate reality. I wonder what it's like over there. <laughs> um, what else? So, is, is there anything else, really, that strays too far? I mean, they, they talk about the barrels pretty early on. Yeah, that, that's all in there. A lot. There's a lot of similarities. You know, it's just the... Yeah, there are. Um... Oh, the poor little uh, embryo of the porpoise. Oh, yeah. That's like the only, the the likable part of Hooper in that mm -hmm. timeline of the book. Something True. you could easily see the Richard Dreyfus character getting upset about because you're oh, talking yeah. about him being the science guy, the, mm -hmm. you know, oh, look at this magnificent animal. Yes, I know we need to kill it, but I don't hate it because it's just doing what it does. And I guess that that is also in the Hooper character in the book. He's There's a lot of ecological discussion that goes on in this book too, with particularly with, because of Hooper. Um so and more of it takes place 
in, you know, when they're out on the boat. And I feel that kind of sense of environmentalism was something you did start to see in a certain amount of the seventies kind of writing. So, and knowing the fact that Benchley himself ended up becoming involved in oceanic research, you know, after this, it makes sense that he kind of takes care to add those details in there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't push like, it doesn't seem like he's pushing an agenda, but it feels definitely very conscious of this kind of something that was, people were really starting to speak, start to speak about in the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. I think if they had, I don't know, the, the effects might've been interesting, but I can't imagine uh quint popping open a little cooler there being a little <laughs> robot porpoise baby <laughs> no absolutely not i can't imagine that yeah, not pretty, family pretty not family happy uh-huh um, well, i guess it yeah. wouldn't have gotten the pg rating that it did um i know that it cut down some of the gore so it could get a pg rating but it doesn't it didn't ever seem to have that much and this was pre PG thirteen, so it was just Correct. PG yes. or R, right? Yeah. Uh, um. What was? Let's see. I guess we should probably talk about the ending, huh? Unless we're we're missing something. Um. Oh, one thing I wanted to say that. So there was probably about five years ago. Now this is totally. This is. I was going to say this earlier, but I forgot. But about five years uh, ago, I saw this movie in the theater. And so, you know that scene where Hooper is diving and finds dead Ben Garner? And he, the body pops up. Oh, yeah. A jump scare. Everybody in the theater, even though they knew it was coming, everybody in the theater jumped <laughs> when they saw that on the big screen very effective scene right it is i mean and it was so funny because everybody looked around and kind of they were like laughing at themselves because again (laughs) we all knew it was coming we 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 had all seen the movie you know you could just hear people talking about it while we were waiting to get in that everybody was like i'm so glad i'm finally going to see this on the big screen or something you know Mm -hmm. but the the it's just interesting that you have certain shots like that in in this movie and then there's the one uh when the little kinder boy or whatever gets killed and you see there's the you know pull out zoom in kind of shot of brody on the beach oh yeah the the iconic that iconic shot um like there's certain things like that in this movie that you forget that are just like, yeah, they're just these senses <clears throat> of like movie magic. Mm-hmm. And this really, I feel was kind of the birth of the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Wasn't it literally what the term was coined? In yeah. Was about? That, that, this was it, huh? I think so. I think so. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, fucking. I mean, that's why it's so weird to talk about it on a show because you want to talk so much, but it's also a thing that's been talked about a whole lot. So I'm kind of glad we've 
focused a lot in on the discrepancies between the film and the book because I, I yeah think, I do think I mean two out of three of us had never read the book before yeah and I and I will de- I'll say I definitely enjoyed each experience I I enjoyed watching the movie again for the twenty fourth time or whatever <laughs> and I enjoyed right. I enjoyed reading the book I really did I. I appreciated the differences. I liked the fact that it was it kept moving. It was a fast read, and um, yeah. I liked the way that they did the ending because they went out to see over the course of several days rather than one you know one trip. Are you more satisfied with the the death of the shark in the movie or the book? Man. What do you think, Vanessa? Oh. It's so fun and dramatic in the movie. It is. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it's satisfying. It's satisfying mm-hmm. in a totally different way. And it's big and spectacular. And it goes, it, anything that makes a big explosion is great, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it really is an action-adventure movie. And God damn it, how do you make an action-adventure about fishing? Think about that. <laughs> yeah. okay. Really. It, it like I said, I compared it to the old man in the sea, and what the old man in the sea is like, it's got certain elements that have the are similar, where you have these, this human who's trying to connect to the fish as as a struggle to take down the fish, and here's this one that fish that doesn't behave like any others, and they you know. And it's this anomaly. And then it becomes a mission, an obsession for Quint, you know, you know, Ahab here. Mm -hmm. Um, That was crazy. I mean, it really and then even but it almost becomes an obsession for Brody, though. He -hmm. starts to move into that territory because you see, I think on that like next to that last they're getting ready to go out for that last time. He says to Ellen when he's home, something to that extent. Yeah. Where, oh yeah. She's like, you're not going back out. And after he's Hooper like, died. I, and he's like, I have to, mm-hmm. you know, he's on a mission to himself. It's not yeah. just Quint that has started this, has this obsession. Everybody knows Quint, you know, wackadoodle. <laughs> Brody's going down that road too, because of this you know, this fish. I mean, it becomes an obsession and they play that with, uh, throughout the film series. I mean, by the end, it is very much, a. of the fourth movie is not a very good movie. I would, uh-huh. I would hazard it's to say. It's been a while since I've seen the others. Is that, is that the one that's literally called Jaws the Revenge? That is Jaws the Revenge. Yes. Okay. Uh, that is, Michael Caine? That is the one with Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> what did he say about the movie Bottom of House? Yeah, I've, frankly, I've never seen the movie, but it paid for for a hell of a condo or something like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Uh, it, it really goes into... Although a lot of people... You said you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, Vanessa? I haven't seen it in a while. Okay, so... A lot of people, myself included, will complain about the end where the shark jumps out of the water. Mm-hmm. But in the first fucking movie, the shark jumps out of the water onto yes. the orca. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. So it's one of those, yeah, it's a little bit higher, but I think people are forgetting it at that point that the fucking mm-hmm. shark jumps out and lands on the deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Quint meets his his demise. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> amidst the floppy shark teeth. Uh stabbing it with his knife and stuff, mm-hmm. screaming and spitting blood. And in the book, it's a little bit more poetic. I, it just, get, just gets dragged down, right? Just, yeah, just dragged down yeah. by his hunt. By, mm-hmm. by he gets his drowned. Hunting. Yeah. Which is what a lot... I, okay, so I've gone down a rabbit hole. Surprise, surprise. Over the past few days, I've been watching all these National Geographic... Um, underwater specials and I was watching this one about dolphins I mean not dolphins but whales and the way that they kill and then like and how they essentially drown other whales and that's like their way of like they don't like bite into them to like kill them they just like they only bite onto them but like hold them down to like so they actually just drown them and so here you have like okay you have the shark doing the same kind of thing in the book, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't they they talk about the megalodon in the book too, right? Yes. Uh-huh. When did that book come out? Was that not the seventies? I'm guessing as the eighties or the nineties. Never read it. No, never read it. They made a terrible movie, which was loosely based on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like everybody I know exactly. that read the book was like, fuck that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think the book was supposedly pretty good. I've never read it, though. I think that sounds like something that probably came out in the 70s, truthfully. 97. Oh, oh wow. Okay. If it's Meg, a novel of deep terror. That's oh, got that be it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that. Yeah, 1997. And it was adapted into The Meg in 2018. <laughs> what are what are some other... Terrible I don't philosophy. know if, if anybody's pressed for time, but do you want to go through some of your other favorite shark movies? Or... Um, or have we, have we uh, come to the end? You this? know, The Shallows wasn't terrible. No, I like surprisingly good. That was I think that was on my top ten list that year. That was better than I expected. Mm-hmm. It was one that of was, those that I like saw one, for like as one like woman, one woman show, right? Yeah, basically, it was mostly just Blake Lively, and that was it. But the yeah. what they had, you know, as far as the setup of the sharks was was better. Deep water is pretty good too. How do you feel about the Sharknado movies? Oh. <laughs> well, I, got, I can that's handle Lance's I answer. can handle the first one like just as a joke, but other mm-hmm. than after that, I'm just like stop. What's the point, right? Yeah. My sister-in-law used to host Sharknado parties, which were fun because it would just mm-hmm. be getting together, drinking, you know, the adults drinking a bunch of wine and beer and stuff, and uh stuff but uh yeah i i've maybe seen the first two what are there like seven now oh god who knows i think, I think they're like six or seven mm-hmm. 
I gave I think, up, at, I think, after the fourth. I think the final chapter was like three movies back, if that tells you anything. Yeah. The last final chapter. The final, final, last chapter. I yeah, I liked 47 Meters Down fine. Mm-hmm. And I even liked uh, yeah. 47 Meters Down Uncaged. Oh, did, didn't care for either of I liked Open Water. Uh, I like the shallows. Open water is what I was thinking of. Why didn't I say? Yeah, that? yeah. I haven't That's seen the, the second. Movie. <laughs> have not seen the second one, but um, yeah. Other than that, to me, Jaws is the gold standard, and mo- most yeah. most shark movies suck. I hate to say it. I'll watch Sand Sharks. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess. But you know, I I have not made it all the way through. I have given up on Crawl like mm-hmm. f- five times. I don't even think I'm halfway through the movie, and I just keep turning it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for you. I'm not a fan. I'm in the minority, but not a fan. Vanessa? I know we're getting into... I have not seen that. Gator and Dial territory, but... Hey, I'm all for some, some giant animals and crazy animal amok films. It's, every time I put on Crawl, I turn it off after 10, 15 minutes and look to see if Lake Placid's on anywhere. Oh, yes. <laughs> the yeah. best, one of the best lines ever was in that movie. <laughs> Whether this is when, if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it. That's the line. <laughs> oh, Betty White. Let's drink to our legs and drink to Betty White. Yep. I don't know. I'm still a big fan of... Uh... The original 70s Piranha movie. Yeah. That's a good one. I I liked parts. Of... The, 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 was it remake or whatever? The uh, Piranha Double D was actually pretty funny. Ah. Is that and the a first ridiculous remake kind or of the way? second remake? The first one. Okay. With Ving Rhames and Elizabeth Shue. And uh, Jerry O'Connell and Paul Shear, yeah. Oh yeah, as the girls gone wild type douchebags. Uh, yeah, and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, hey, yeah. hey yes. tying this back in. We got yeah. Richard fucking Dreyfus in the tiny mm-hmm. boat at the beginning. Yes, that's right. That's right. I forgot he was in that. See, there is apparently a method to my madness. Yeah. We sewed that button back on. And uh, I think we have found ourselves at the end. Well, we're we'll, we're gonna offer Lance to uh, to plug your shit and go if you want to. But I think Vanessa still got to announce what movie we're doing next. I don't know if you want to be. Here but for I was that. before that. I was gonna say I think it seems that we would all recommend this. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the book ha- and the movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen Jaws, I, mean, I would. I, I'm just going out on the limb and yeah. saying mm-hmm. we we are all on the same page there. But yeah. To all the four- and five-year-olds who haven't seen Jaws yet that are listening to the show, if you're older than that, I am extremely surprised that you haven't seen it. <laughs> you should have bad parents who showed it to you, you like should. us. You should. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> hey, you know, I always offer – well, with with our kid, I don't know if you did this at all, Lance, but uh, usually the parent that is sitting with the kid will try to cover the eyes in the old traditional mm-hmm. fashion – and they pry your fingers open in the traditional fashion. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the book because people 
either hate it or don't. Yeah, you can like it or you can love it, but the people that don't like it seem to really not like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I like for me, I gave it four out of five stars. <clears throat> so it's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't love it. Yeah, that's fine. That's you know? the second time I've read it in my life. I'm just happy to be back on track for my 24 books for the year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's nice to have a break from the other book I'm reading is called like everything you love will burn. And oh, geez. That's, okay. you know, Not summer reading. <laughs> yeah. Summer reading about uh, right wing, like nationalist groups. Uh, oh, so. boy. <laughs> oh, that's a light, airy read. Yeah, uh, I, it, it was recommended by one of the guys from, uh, I talk about this on occasion, but I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, Dixieland or the Proletariat. Uh, I've seen you post some stuff from their, it, uh, I guess, from their Facebook group. It, it's some guys uh, down in Alabama, uh, I think mm -hmm. Montgomery area. And yeah. some of them are history students. Uh, one of them, I think, ran for office once. And it's... It's pretty cool left-wing Marxist communist type stuff um, to, to oversimplify. But, uh, you know, they have people from DSA on. They have people from different protests and dif different uh, activist groups on. They started out with, I think the f there was like an episode on Monsanto, uh, episode about the colonization of America and the taking of American Indian lands and uh, stuff like that. But... Uh, it was like check check this book out. So I'm trying. I found <laughs> it. It's hard for me to read physical books sometimes, but if I can find it on audiobook, I've got all the time in the world because I do a lot of chores nowadays. In the lockdown, <laughs> my my domesticity is being pushed to the limit in uh, cooking and laundry and yard maintenance. <laughs> <clears throat> um, anyway, that was largely boring. <laughs> Lance. Before you go, or before we give you the option to go, before we do the uh, the closing of the episode, uh, what's what's going on over at uh, Horror Returns and the Horror Returns Network? Well, I mean, we normally do, you know, whatever is the newest horror movie out, we'll usually go see it in the movie theater and do an older movie with similar themes. We haven't been able to do that for about four months, so we're just kind of doing random double bills like we did... Uh, Alien Slugs this week. So we did Night of the Creeps and Slither. And uh, we did Fright Night and the Fright Night remake the week before. So there's no telling what we're going to do these days. But we're on uh, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcast, anywhere you find. Uh, just look for The Horror Returns and you'll find us. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. So you're welcome to stay and join us for while we announce what we're doing next time. Or if you have to go, we can let you go. We're giving you Prop that option probably want to go check on the wife um just you know because okay. i hadn't checked on her in a little while and i know she's okay <laughs> she's quite moody she's quite moody she's easily depressed right now which is understandable so. yeah totally, totally understandable uh, thank thank you for your time and thank her yeah. for giving your time absolutely yes, thank you very much good to have you here well i appreciate the invite guys and, so uh, uh, and until the lance from the horror returns Returns. Yes. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys have fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, okay. man. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Now, now okay. that he's gone. <laughs> <laughs>
No, so. So do you know? Okay, we. What? Do you know what you're picking? I do know. So for next month, well, as many listeners or you may know, have noticed, we we haven't been doing as many shows and we haven't been reading as much. Like, everything has been so thrown out of whack during times of quarantine. So I kind of have the thought up for August. Since some August, we've done episodes where we've done, like, two movies, you know, just to give ourselves a break anyway from a book. Yeah. We're going to do an episode that is one half just referral slips because we wouldn't haven't put one of those out in a while but just to kind of update you on like what we've been watching while we've been in quarantine and if we've been reading anything i know darren your reading time has been uh restricted Very a little bit so. yeah I, yeah and I, I find myself sort of hoping that it continues to be restricted in that i'm scared to death of sending my kid back to school in the fall well, that, I know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. Uh, but I, I just. Uh, that yeah. aside, that aside, I mean, I, I don't want to complain like I don't have advantages over a lot of people in this situation. You know, I. Right. Uh, I can be home. If if he's doing online school, you know. Right. Uh I don't have to be out and about. So, but anyway, uh, yes, my reading time has been cut drastically because doing a lot of dad stuff lately. Yeah, I get it. So anyway, because of that, and then, so we were all going to just do, so our episode is just going to be half kind of like talk about what we've, been watching that kind of thing and then the second half of the episode is going to be just covering one movie and i decided um i had thought about this movie before and you know i do like to pull out just kind of random cult movies every once in a while (laughs) every Um, once in a while yeah every once in a while (laughs) (laughs) once and a while how about that? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, occasionally. Um, but I, and I noticed, not that I don't own this already on Blu-ray, because <laughs> of course I do, but I noticed it is also on Amazon Prime right now. It is the 1960s Roger Vadim movie, Barbarella, starring Jane Fonda. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's on uh, Amazon? Yeah. All right. Have you ever seen it before? A long, long, long time ago. Um, I saw it, and we'll, uh, probably we'll get into it more on the show, sure. but back in the day when I used to raid my dad's VHS uh, collection. Of course. Yeah, I think because why not? Yeah, <laughs> first time I saw it, I was probably twelve or thirteen, um, <laughs> and everybody that knows about the movie knows about the movie. Uh, that's that's <laughs> so nice. Yeah, I I might actually have that on DVD or Blu-ray, but I'm not sure. Okay, 
It's not too weird of a choice. No. It's not too weird of a choice, but I figured it's something, you know, we don't, it's not too deep and, you know, it's, you know, easily accessible right now. So. And do we want to tempt fate again by saying what else we're trying to do in August or no? Um, we are trying to do a special episode where is it just a current, a, a longer quarantine theater, but we don't know if that's going to happen in August or September at this point. It's, we would like to happen soon. Uh, it's just a matter of like getting schedules to yeah. coordinate on it. To get it so, I, I have yeah, to get it to work. I have confirmed interest from our projected Wadsworth. <laughs> nice. I don't know if I told you that, but I'll tell everybody that. Ah, uh, you have already given away some information. Well, to those who know, to those who that's, I guess that can be easily Googleable. So Go- whoever's getting huh? a googly machine, get on the googly machine yeah, on the Google machine. If you look it up on the Google, but yeah, uh, maybe should we cut that out or should we not? Well, we could just leave that in. Uh, sure. To pique interest. We're drawing more attention to it. <laughs> Clear sure. throat and start whistling. So yes, in August we will do our combination referral slip and Barbarella episode, and possibly um, a little quarantine theater bonus thrown in there. So that will happen sometime soon. So yeah, that's what's coming up for us soon. Anything for you, Darren, outside uh, VD Clinic? You know, it, it's hard to... It's on Psycho-Semanticast. It's hard to plan too far ahead in Psycho-Semanticast. Um, sure. Looking at the possibility of covering the series The Boys before the season two starts. I don't know if you ever watched that. Mm-mm. Uh, it's a, it was a comic book, but it is an right. Amazon series about... Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit more realistic view of superheroes in uh, modern society. Yeah. And uh, the show is fun. Even if you're not a big superhero slash comic book fan, I was always, I've I've said this before on the show, I always liked more the underground comics or the short runs and stuff. Right. It's more in that flavor than Superman or Green Arrow and stuff like that. It's more right. like the short series where uh, Superman landed in Soviet Russia or the Marvel Zombies series or something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, I think I'll, I'll nod and, and say and pretend like those mean something to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there uh, very quickly. Uh, there, I know what a, you mean. I, a, I know basically what you mean. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. The Marvel I'm series choosing. was the superheroes. We're all zombies, and they brought their mutant traits with them. I no, I'm I have heard of some of those things. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, more more into that just in case. I mean, if we do our referral slips, and that does come to pass, I usually don't like to say too much about what's getting to happen because I think the right. last two or three things that I said were gonna happen that hadn't already been recorded, right, fell through. 
Um, nothing's, I think the Midnight Horror Show is on extended hiatus. And uh, I mean, you can catch me on the uh, podcast Under the Stairs uh, Summer Series. We are doing the 2000s. I am on 2001 and 2005 of that. So the 2001 episode should probably be out roughly around the same time that this episode's coming out. Uh, Cause that's all supposed to start in a week or two from now. And he puts out like four episodes a week. So, right. Uh, yeah, I think that's... I know. sometimes I can't keep up with what he puts out. Yeah. Massive output. Depends on my week. <laughs> A lot of a lot of listening time has been cut down one way or another, right? Uh, but yeah, v- VD Clinic, VD Clinic Pod, uh, unless you need that other information. But if you're listening to Quarantine Rules, you shouldn't need that much <laughs> that much of that uh, other information. Um, is there anything else to add? Not that I can think of. All right. Uh, <laughs> Shark goes in the water. Saul's shark. Our shark. Our shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. And until we get our bigger boat. Yes. We say goodbye for now. Bye. Bye. All right. I am here with. Do you want to say who you are? There's the microphone. Danzig. Danzig. And what did you just do? What? Did what did you just watch? Jaws. What did you think of it? It was super cool and bloody. <laughs> what What was your favorite parts? When the shark blew up. Anything else? No. 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 Nothing else. Nothing else. Was it the scariest shark movie you've ever seen? It was about less scarier than forty-seven meteors meteors down. Deep. And the deep blue sea. It was scarier than 47 meters down and deep blue sea. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Yeah. What? I couldn't say. What? I couldn't say. I'm only wearing a shirt. Go ahead. I'm only wearing a shirt. Okay, anything else that you'd like to share with the world? No. Do you, are you afraid of sharks, or you still like sharks? I still like sharks until I see one. Until I see one cram into my wall. Cram into your wall. Yeah, some I've actually seen sharks on land. <laughs> what kind of shark? Oh, hammerhead shark combined with a big white shark hammerhead. Oh, really. Yeah, they were combined together there. It was a double hammerhead shark. The hammerhead shark was put on top of the hammerhead shark to make a giant shark. Mm. What else? What, anything else about Jaws? No. No? Let's go to the next scary movies with sharks. What scary movie should we watch next? I'm talking about, like... Oh, you want to talk about Deep Blue Sea? Uh-huh. What's your favorite part of Deep Blue Sea? What's Deep Blue Sea having it? That's the one with the bird and LL Cool J. Yeah, the cook. Yeah, the cook. My favorite part was when the shark blew up. <laughs> Is that your favorite part in every shark movie? It's when yeah. the shark blows up? 
Except when a shark gets when a shark eats a gun. It... <laughs> yeah. Dead on a rock. Dead on a rock. Mhm. Any other shark movies? No, our captain. Okay. Anything else you'd like to say before we go? No. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod, or reach us via email at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.